Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. And we're a day late and a dollar short. Mm-hmm. We are. Yeah. And we're actually, we're actually a, uh, almost a week late. Why do you say a week late? Well, because we're supposed to do it Friday. Well, yeah, but I mean, it's supposed to release yesterday on Monday, the holiday. So the question is, is this last week or is this next week no this is this is mondays that's releasing on tuesday so that means we gotta record i've already got tyrone scheduled for friday because you out i am my birthday i like i care about your birthday mamma mia that's a spicy meatball geez i gotta take a leak so bad i can taste it you okay hoser I'm your father, Luke. Give in to the dark side of the force, you knob. He saw Jedi 17 times, eh? <laughs> <laughs> yep, still laughing our own quotes. Really? And the same ones we've been laughing at for a long time. Pretty much. And I have no shame in that whatsoever. Nor me. I actually felt kind of special. Like you were, that was my special thing for my birthday, right? Well, now. here's here's the one for your birthday. You ready for it? Yeah. Walk on the road. Walk right side, safe. Walk left side, safe. Walk middle, sooner or later, get the squish just like grape. Here, church planting. Same thing. Either you, church planting do. Yes. Or church planting do. No. You, church planting do. Guess so. Just like grape. Yes, folks, that is my uh, dub. You can you can't tell that I dubbed in 
uh, church planting do, you know, because he says karate do in the film. You probably didn't catch. That was actually not Miyagi talking. That was me. Yeah, no one could tell that. I remember the first time I heard it. I'm listening to it on my cell phone while I'm making like taco shells. And I just about burnt myself. I was laughing so hard. (laughs) You told me you actually told me you're laughing so hard. You're crying. (laughs) Oh, my gosh, dude. That's when the the dogs go crazy because daddy's crying. The kids don't know what's going on. So, yeah, that was that was a funny day. The first time I got that one. Yep. I need to do more of those. We actually should take this podcast a little bit more seriously. <laughs> we probably should. You know, my dream is to do I once heard John MacArthur speak and he was he was uh given the the sermon series about the conscience and uh he said Beavis and his unmentionable friend, which I thought was a great way to call him from he the He did not say I Beavis and his you. unmentionable friend. I swear to you, I still refer to them as that when I want to make my wife laugh. But uh, I have long had a fantasy that we would do a special clip of, uh, you know, Beavis and Butthead going. uh, I I will give I will give fifty dollars to any church planner who can get us John MacArthur saying (laughs) Beavis and his unmentionable friend. If you can find that audio on the Internet. I got 50 bucks for you. I will pay for that. I so want that. So just to give you a little head start, the church, I actually heard him preaching on this. Uh, it was this book on the conscience. I can't remember what it's called, but it's one where he starts off with the, uh, you know, the Andes mountain plane crash from the live movie where they're like, shut up, gringo. So that is, I, I should look this up for 50 bucks, but here's the deal. It was at, um, Oh, shoot. Calvary used to be called Calvary Chapel of Laguna Hills. I should just, and, I should just throw in there that uh, hosts of the podcast are not eligible for the $50. <laughs> yes, employees of the company. But uh, it, it would be great, right? Right? Like uh, you could have Beavis going, you know, uh, I'm the great church plantolio. You know, I mean, that, that you know that would be awesome. Well, this is what I heard. This is what Budhead said to John MacArthur. Say my name. <laughs> <laughs> That's the, you know, we've just lost all the John MacArthurites. Uh, that guy said, but. <laughs> Get to the church plant. Get to the church plant. Go. No. Oh, my Welcome. gosh. Welcome to the Church Planter Podcast, where we answer your questions and talk very seriously <laughs> about church planting. We're going to get to what, – what are we talking about again? I know we just like talked about it 30 seconds before we started. What's the t- what's today's topic? Okay, so today's topic is how to prepare your church planting team to plant a church. How to, how to motivate, how to mobilize, how to safeguard, how to make sure you got the right people on board. So um, you got any smack talk for us today, Peyton? You know, I know that I probably should – but uh, I've been so busy, man. I've just been working like a dog, man. So uh, May 1st, my book manuscript was due. Then I had to fly out to North Carolina, train church planning trainers uh, for the state. Then I had to come back home, catch up on some stuff. Um, that was my, my, my week of prep for launching the Western 
region, uh, train the trainer, uh, I don't know, hub, um, station, um, center. And uh, then uh, this week I've got a major project due, which is uh, films for the um, train the trainers. So, so basically I work with Mac Lake and he, uh, he is a master trainer. I mean, I've never seen a guy train like him. Um, it's just been phenomenal. I would say you've never seen me train. That's all I'm saying. He is a leadership and, um, leadership development expert and he has a degree in education. So when that guy gets to training you in something, his methods are just amazing. And, uh, anyway, so, uh, he came out for that. We did that. And then, you know, like I said, um, I'm kind of like the content creation, guy on my team. So we're doing uh, a, a series of videos and some other things that, that our team put together. And uh, it's just, it's, it's, it's just kicked the crud out of me. I have zero margin for anything funny or exciting or interesting to happen in my life. Well, since you said that, let me share with you what's going on in my life. Sounds good. <laughs> so I got nothing funny. <laughs> no, actually, this is a true story, man. Okay, we've been hearing uh, something crawling around in our attic. Oh, no. And is it, a, is it that gummy bear that came out your nose? No, Did it mutate? Dude, that still burns. Like, I, I remember <laughs> the burn. No. We, so I came we, from the nose. We've had rats in our attic before. So I called up my, my handyman. I said, hey, dude, you need to come over and throw some poison up in our attic. You know, cause just kill them. I, I don't, I'm not one of these guys. that's a catch and release. I'm a kill. <laughs> Sounds like what you call a handyman. Other people call an exterminator. Well, he's not an exterminator. He, he lives at my mother-in-law's house. So he's, <laughs> I call him our handyman. He's more like a family friend, but he, he literally <laughs> built my office. He's done everything here. So it's yeah, like your dad's a pastor. Yeah. I don't call him my dad. I call him my spiritual care expert. You know, the guy who does funerals and weddings in the family. <laughs> our so, officiant. So he puts up the poison and usually that kills him. This, this one ain't dying. And there's a vent on the side of the house that goes to the attic that's been pushed down. So I'm like, Hey man, can you put the vent back up? Cause that's obviously how they're getting in and out. And so he, he puts it up and he puts like a whole bunch of barrier behind it. Literally later that day, they've already pushed it back down. And he goes, he goes, that's not a mouse. He goes, that's not a rat. Do you, you have any idea what I put behind that? There's no way. And so oh, but we can still got. hear it. So I we're like, you got. it's got to be a possum, right? Got to nope. be a possum. And I mean, we just, we're hearing them squeaking and, you know, running around up there. It, it is literally like World War Three in the morning and in the afternoons. And so he finally comes over. <laughs> And he puts a new vent on. And this time it's screwed into the wall. There's no way they can push through this vent. I don't care how big of a possum it is. But are they in or are they out? Oh, apparently they were in because now they can't get out of the vent. So what do they do? They literally ripped a hole in the side of the house. Oh, my gosh. Way bigger. Turns out I'm coming. uh, I'm in the house and my wife is driving up and she calls me. She goes, there's a huge raccoon on the roof. I knew it was a raccoon. I knew it. Yeah. So we got a huge raccoon. So I called up my buddy who is a, a pest control guy. And I go, dude, I got a raccoon in my attic. 
can you come over and get it out? And he goes, oh, we don't deal with any protected species. I guess it's protected. What? I go, this is not protected for me, and I have a gun. <laughs> and he goes, don't get caught, <laughs> right? So I guess it's protected. I don't know why it's protected. It's stinking raccoon. Who cares? So um, so I got critter control coming today. Critter control is coming at one. They're like, nice. yeah, it's a three-day process. You know, we got to coax the mom out and get her to take all the little babies out. And I'm like, dude, you cannot crawl in my attic. Like, it's not possible. So I don't know how you're going to do this, but that thing needs to go. He needs out my house. Dude, that is so cool. They have critter control. That's what it's called. That's the company, critter control. I I picture, remember that country bear jamboree at Disney? (laughs) I picture them coming with like this big bear paw patch and like, you know, like a Davy Crockett coonskin cap, you know? And and when they leave, the banjo starts playing. They're like, we hope that you'll be coming back again. You'll drop in and see us now and then, now and then. Remember that? No, I have no idea what you're talking about. They took it out. Winnie the Pooh's there now. So, um, in I other a news, raccoon story though, in, in, in other news, um, uh, no, I have a raccoon story. Okay. Let's hear your raccoon story. So, uh, I, I cornered a raccoon and its babies Ooh. in my garage one night. So they would come into the cat flap and they would do the laundry room and they would eat the cat's food. And, uh, so the babies, you know, they're hiding behind the, uh, the, the washing machine. Um, you know, or the dryer or whatever, and uh, sneaking out eating the cat food. So he was like, hey, I think I'm going to make a nest in here. This is kind of cool. There's food. There's places to hide. So I was like, no, that's not happening. So in the middle of the night, um, and what was kind of cool is my wife was, uh, she was out of town. So that made it really easy. And uh, I was getting some work done, uh, a.k.a. playing a video game late at night. And uh, I heard him, and I thought, I'm going to go after him. Right. So because when my wife's home, she's like, no, like we had a squirrel the other day. I saw go where the pipes go under the sink in the house. We we live in like a 1953 beach shack. And I you know I ran some water in his little hole and squirrel ground squirrels always have three different holes. They have, you know, there's always an escape route. So I was just trying to drive him out there and let him know, hey, it's not safe. I wasn't actually going to drown him. But my wife was like, she was kind of like, hey, no, that's not on. You're not killing them. They have babies. And so it, it's always kind of like critter one, you know, Peyton zero. So uh, I, I lose that battle. So anyways, I decided to, to corner them. Dude, what I did not expect was how stinking big these things are. Mm. The raccoon was huge. Like, we're not talking cat. We're talking this thing was somewhere in between my dog and my cat. It was big. Like, it, uh, you know, you see a beaver and you know how big beavers get? No. He was like beaver size, man. I have no idea how big. I don't think most people know how big a beaver gets. Oh, you got to watch uh, Duck Dynasty, man. You know all about it. Unless I, unless we're talking person. about uh, Travis, the guy who won the Church Planner Library. I think he'd know how big a beaver gets because he, he was would. a hunter. Yeah. That, if you don't know, guys, that, that's a guy we interrupted him. <laughs> To tell him he was the winner, we decided we'd track him down. <laughs> I love how he was stopped. like, I don't even give my elders my phone number when I go hunting. I don't remember how we found it, but we cyberstalked him live on the show, called him up and interrupted his deer hunt, ruined his day, kept calling him <laughs> until we answered and picked up and uh, told him. And he's like, I'm out in the middle of the woods hunting deer. You kind of blew my deer hunt, blew my day. But it was awesome. It was it was one of our best episodes because we decided on the fly to do it. Smack Talk became the episode. 
Yeah, it was great. Which which we're in danger of here. So, anyways, all all that to say, I scared him enough and poked him with a stick enough, and uh, he flew at me. It was it was kind of freaky. He went up high on the place where the garage sits, and he was sitting on the garage, uh, kind of like the you know the rails, and he flew off at me. But he ran past me. He wasn't he wasn't aiming for my face. He was aiming to get out, but I whacked him a good few times, not knowing he was a protected. They species. would not want to come in my backyard because uh, oh, Ricky would. Bulls. Yeah. Ricky would kill it. Ricky would oh, yeah. fight to the death. That's what about Lucy? No, <laughs> Lucy just kind of. Lucy would it. bark and encourage Ricky, but Ricky is the pit bull, and she loves people, but cannot stand any other animal. That's funny. No dogs. No cats. Nothing. No other animal can come around her without her going to red line. So when I lived in Wales, my neighbor's bunny got out and my cat would not like my cat would would play with it. Like they'd hang out and cuddle. I'd come home and the bunny be huddled up in a bush and the cat would be huddled. They like cuddled together and then they would play. It was the weirdest thing, man. They'd roll around on the ground like, you know, like when cats play. And it was weird, man. It, it was kind of breaking the laws of nature. Yeah, that's very disturbing, just the mental image that I got. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. California, stay away from here. Stay away from here now. Don't, don't, don't come in here. Whatever you hear, stay away. John Doe has the upper hand. John Doe has the upper hand. Hey, did I interrupt your uh, story and break up your Black Panther party? No, I was just going to say in other news, there is a phone line, a live power phone line that fell in my backyard. No way. And I called Verizon, who apparently sold it to Frontier. <laughs> and so I finally, I after literally talking to six people, two of whom were clearly in India, like, I don't know how I got transferred stateside to India call center to stateside to back to India call center. And they're like, well, can you give me your address? I give them my address. Well, do you have service with us? No, I don't have service with you. (laughs) Who has a landline anymore? I'm like, "Um, it's your responsibility. Oh, no, it is our responsibility. Do you know any of your neighbors who have Frontier? I'm like, (laughs) no. I don't go talking to my neighbors. Hey, who's got Frontier over here? So the guy in India with his Indian accent. He goes, okay, we take care of it now. And I go, and by the way, that's a horrible Indian accent. It was more like a Russian accent. Uh, you're insulting Indians down. You I'm, need to stop that. I just need to have Joseph come on, and he can do the, the, the line for us. So I was like, I go, dude, can you give me a ticket number? No, I can't give you a ticket number because you don't have an account number for us to tie it to. And oh I'm like, gosh. so in other words, you're not going to do anything. He goes, no, trust me, we're going to do it. I go, trust you? I go, well, give me somebody's name there that I can call when it's not done. And he goes, uh, call me. My name is Michael. <laughs> I go, <laughs> Michael, kind of a big company, Frontier. Um, you want to give me a phone number and maybe a last name? And he goes, okay, I spell you my last name. It's like, I, I was like, okay, I'm screwed. This is just horrible. <laughs> so 24 hours later, I still haven't heard anything. So if you noticed, I don't know how many of our people – Watch the uh, the Twitter the the Twitter the Twitter the Twitter ranting that I did with no. the uh, the the you know I had to pull out the Church Planner Mag Twitter account. I'm like, dude, we're doing an expose <laughs> on Frontier Communication because I'm like ticked, right? 
And I go, it's not, it's not their kids whose lives are on the line. It's my kids, and they don't care about them. So Twitter, you know, uh, Frontier responds, hey, you know, we want to help you with this. We'll escalate it. Give us your address. So I give them my address. They're like, okay, give us a name and a phone number. I give them a name and a phone number. You're going to hear from us in 24 hours. So um, it's been 48 now. Still haven't heard anything. 72 hours after my first initial uh, call to them. So I, I pretty much hate Frontier. And I want to take this moment on the podcast and tell everyone, if you have Frontier, I'd appreciate it if you'd cancel your service from them and let them know that Pete sent you. You know, ever since that day that Pete took to the Twitter rant against uh, Frontier, uh, those of you will know that our relationships with them, Church Planner Magazine, now, now you understand why the feud between us is so great uh, on, the, on the level of the Adobe Apple feud where they can never work together. So um, just, you know, don't, don't let them know. I've actually turned down uh, now funding. They wanted to advertise on our podcast and on our magazine. I told them no. No, I said no <laughs> frontier. I, I cannot. I mean, you've literally endangered my kids and you don't care because it's oh, so still in my happened? backyard. So what happened? Is it still like it's still in your backyard? It's it's on the ground in my backyard. A Have live you it telephone Have you line. Have tried picking it up and see what happens? I did because <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, if I die, man, frontier is really going down now. That's awesome. Just make sure that insurance policy is in place. That'd be awesome if you could like shoot electricity out of it, you know? Dude, I, I'm I'm still furious at Frontier. I hate them. So I saw on online, and I'm I'm hoping it's real, because remember when that guy made those Wolverine claws online? I saw a guy, he he made this thing and you could buy it and it shot fire out of your hands. Have you seen that? No. It's like a little thing that attaches to your wrist and it'll shoot a burst of fire. Goes up to like ten feet. What? No, I swear to you. Really? I'm not making this up. I kind of want that. So, hey, um, I had kind of a cool thing this week. This is rare, and everybody listening is gonna hate me when I say this, but uh, I listened to a worship CD that I actually liked. I don't think everybody's gonna hate you, but. Well, I know you and I are in good company. The only problem is that this isn't a private conversation. Um, I, you and I have talked about this before. I, I love how Bono said recently, he goes, yeah, you know, I grew up and uh, he was talking with Eugene Peterson, the guy who uh, wrote the message. If you guys have not watched that little 17-minute film on that, it is fantastic. Uh, Eugene Peterson, I think I was more impressed with him. Than Bono. That is a Christ-like man. I didn't know much about him, but these guys get together and uh, you got to watch it. But anyways, Bono's talking about when he grew up and he started going to church. He was like, you know, these are some deep words. Shame about the tune. And uh, and 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 that's that's true for me. I mean, a lot of what I hear in worship, I just consider bad music. And my my point is, if you're gonna write worship that honors God kind of take the, you know, the Beethoven or, or John Sebastian Bach uh, approach to it. That guy fasted and prayed before he got the hallelujah chorus. That was kind of like his, uh, he was like, Lord, if I'm, if I'm writing music for you, it's gotta be good. Mm. It's gotta be some of the best the world's ever seen. And, and, and I, I love that. I think Bono has honored that, that, that he expresses that, that, um, you know, he, he, he was really trying to honor God with, with his music. And, uh, and I think most of the greats out there, 
that, you know, we still sing, like he was like, oh, I love some of the hymns. Some of those were masterful tunes, even though they're, you know, hundreds of years old. Um, but, uh, you know, and we have good worship today. I mean, you know, I, I could list guys off, but I, I heard a CD, um, only really because, uh, you know, I work with Mac Lake and I saw him advertising, but his son, Brandon Lake has a CD out called Closer. And I, you know, just out of curiosity, I, you know, I, you know, cause I know Mac, I was like, oh, I'll check it out. I was surprised, man. I was really, really surprised because for me, the best worship I have, it's usually doesn't sound like worship, right? So almost all of my CDs I listen to, things like Dustin Kinsrew from Thrice, going to see them Friday for the birthday. Woohoo! And, uh, you know, m- most of the things that I listen to that are worship are kind of like offbeat, you know, like Scalaluya was the big one for me. It was a big takeaway in the 90s where it was ska music, but it was praise. Shut up, train. I, I was but- all about DC talk. You were all about what? DC talk. <laughs> DC talk. No, I'm yeah. kidding. I couldn't stand well, Christian music even back then. So anyways, what was cool was I listened to it and it, it this is the thing that really got me is it was like worship for mans. It, it was kind of manly. It was, it was, this is a, this is a guy like he's singing worship. That's, that's, you know, I, I don't think when I'm listening to him, like, dude, I could beat that guy up so easy. Um, it, it actually was just good worship. Is and, that how you uh, evaluate everyone you listen to? <laughs> you just kind of go, I could beat up that guy. I go, no, not that guy. There's a scale and the scale normally goes, I could beat that guy up. Where do I fall on the in. scale? I'd like to know how delusional you are. And then, oh, well, you know, I got short man syndrome. I pretty much think I could take all of it. So, so here's so the deal. couldn't, so couldn't. And, and it, you mean me and you? Yeah. Yeah, I, I would crush I, you like a grape. Oh, dude, I, I I start off my next book with the 300 pound dude that beat the snot out of me, like literally hey, beat my head into the ground. Until do I do you mention me in your next book? You do want I, me to? I do, because I want to be able to tell everyone. Now, you just turn to page 67 and read about Pete, because that's the only you page that matters. That from the best. <laughs> Throw back to Ed Stetzer's book for all of you who don't hey, regularly listen to the podcast. Hey, 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 just so you know, I'm I'm looking at getting you onto a podcast finally. Because I get invited onto other people's podcasts. You're always like, did you not invite me? <laughs> That's because I'm so ornery. Because <laughs> you know I'd be on there going, I don't know what to say to them. I don't know who they are. <laughs> yeah, so they, they wanted to know, like, uh, you know, how'd you get this venture started and on and on. And I figured, you know, I really have no clue. I better get Pete on this one. <laughs> What's the name of the podcast? I can't remember right off. I have to tell you later. I just know the dude's name. So anyways, all that to say, it was good. And I liked it. And uh, if you get a chance, it's on uh, iTunes. You can check it out. And uh, it's Brandon Lake, Closer. And uh, just thought I'd give him a shout out, man, because dude's writing good worship. I dig it. I dig it. Hey, um, before we get into today's topic, let me ask you a little something. Um, Have you been meaning to get your church started with online giving? No. Okay. Well, you know, I don't have anywhere to go with that. Oh, oh, this is the commercial. Uh, uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how we lose sponsors, boys and girls. Just like that. <laughs> well, um, have you been using PayPal as a cheap and easy play ho- placeholder? Yes. Well, stop it. <laughs> 
a better solution is here. It's called MoGive.com forward slash church. Okay. They're an online and text-based giving platform built specifically for the needs of new and growing churches. Yeah, definitely, definitely, specifically, yeah, from a church plant, online giving. And every once in a while, when our listeners use MoGive.com and they tell us, and by the way, it's M-O-G-I-V.com. Yeah, definitely. Every once in a while, we give to those people because we like to. I date with candy. What? <laughs> Where did this come from? I'm doing Rain Man. In the I really the think time. Kent's going to call you up this week and go, you know what? We're reevaluating our advertising <laughs> dollars. I don't think the podcast is working out for us. You know, sometimes when you talk and I'm talking at the same time, your uh, your yours totally drowns me out. So you probably didn't hear me. I'm in the background going, yeah, definitely no E. <laughs> We, I'm telling you, we got to do our movie commercials like we've been talking about. Well, I'm all for you doing those, but I just don't know how to do a movie commercial. I need to write scripts. That's just what I, I need. want. You, can you do an Arnold accent? No, but my nephew can. Oh, my gosh. You got to get like a fat can. tongue going on, I think. You know, our, oh. our, yeah. Yeah. I wish I could. I think we should do like some of the, the great liberals of our day like if you could do the commercial as bill maher that'd be awesome oh dude fiverr just go on fiverr you know they don't really have a whole lot of good choices anymore i know we could get christopher walken the problem is the dude who does christopher walken because i paid him to do it um he's really vulgar because i guess christopher walken's really vulgar and i i paid him to uh to call a a client of mine for his birthday yeah did i tell you about that yeah and my client was so like getting upset because he's like very conservative Christian, and I didn't know Christopher Walken was going to be quite so. <laughs> yeah, but I got it all so on tape. If anyone wants to hear, <laughs> it was. I got else. cussed out by Christopher Walken on his birthday. Uh, thanks, Pete. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, he's not a client anymore. I don't know if there's a connection, but uh, there could be. <laughs> Most likely, <laughs> that, that's a true story. He's not a client anymore. <laughs> But anyway, you should all go to MoGive.com forward slash church and sign up for MoGive. All right, cool. Well, I guess uh, this is the part where uh, we go back to the future, eh? Uh, let me go topic. over there. Here we go. Here, Here's a little Doc Brown for you. The Church Planner Podcast isn't the podcast that planners deserve, but the podcast they need. Okay, so it's not Doc Brown, but I really missed Batman. Or it could be Doc Brown with a cold. <laughs> great scott it's time for this week's topic all right so peyton jones let's actually get into our topic i you know i did miss doc brown i gotta say and i also would would furthermore like to add pete that uh we're pretty much taking that smack talk to about 30 minutes of pop now that's becoming a science yeah well we figure we've only got five listeners left, so who really cares what they think? <laughs> hey, our reviews have been good, man. We no, didn't no, have any this week, hand. huh? You know what we did? We actually got one from uh, Kirk Overstreet, and I totally forgot oh, to read it. That's right. Oh, I forgot he gave us one. That was a funny one. Yeah, so I would just like to say to uh, Kirk Overstreet, if you would like to get a free copy of Jump School and uh, the, the Jump School video series and oh. the... Um, 
study guide that's in the Church Planner Magazine app. All you got to do, because you gave us that great review, open up Church Planner Magazine on your Apple or Android device. Down in the bottom right-hand corner is a little gear mark. You're going to press that so it opens up the settings. And then there's a little link that says, contact us here. Click that, send me the email, and I will unlock that for you on your app. So hey, Pete, did you just say free. something? Were you talking? No, I wasn't talking oh. at all. And uh, yeah, hey, you know, because um, when you said jump school, I, I got sidetracked. You didn't know if you're talking about the book, the film, <laughs> um, the CD, the course, um, the fanny pack, uh, the, um, I didn't know which which jump school you're talking about, but. You didn't say video series. That that brought me back there. I, I don't I have absolutely no idea which jump school I was talking about either. <laughs> it's whichever <laughs> one is in the is app. Jump school. Yeah, so All let's right. actually get into the topic. Uh, shall we? Let's do it. All right. Well, guys, <clears throat> our topic today is how to uh really kind of set the right mindset. You've probably guessed by now that uh church planning is all about the right, right mindset on the part of the planner. And what the church planner often shortchanges himself with is he psychs himself up to church plan or herself, I, I suppose. You know, we're talking about couples here. But we often fail to appreciate the fact that if our team is going to make it, they also are going to need a mindset. Recently, I read a quote that uh, somebody uh, stole off me from jump school. It was awesome. I, I read it in a, in, a, in a periodical. It was great. But it was that church planning is a declaration of war. And when you go to plant, you are taking a military mindset, advancing one kingdom into enemy territory. And that is why in jump school we have used military imagery because Paul often used it and much of the language in the New Testament is um, military that, you know, the kingdom of God, you know, comes with force and violent men take hold of it. Um, There's all kinds of military imagery. Jesus says you don't go to war unless you know that you have the resources to, uh, to build. And by the way, that is not a campaign to raise hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, He's talking actually more personally about salvation there. But but here's the deal. When you go to get your team motivated to plan a church, um, you know, this is part of the reason that in Jump School, the video series, we actually put together um, really these 10 minute messages are just to set your mindset um, to to help get their mind in the right place. Because as you know, um, you know, kind of like the matrix, you must unlearn what you have learned. So you have to first unlearn things. And so what we do from the very beginning in the jump school series is try to get people to understand that everything you've come from, every, everything you knew about church before, it's all going to change when you go into a church plant. And that's a good thing. Mitchell. Are we done? Let me hang in, brother. That was it. Okay. So, you know, I, we were talking about this before, and I, I just thought you might have a thought on that. I have no thought on that whatsoever. Well, it, it definitely happened with you. I mean, you were, let's see, when when you and I bumped into each other, um, you were 
for, for lack of a better term, I mean, you were kind of bored, right? You, you were a little bit restless with uh, the whole church thing. Well, I would say, yeah, I'd say far beyond restless. I, I would say, I wouldn't say lost the faith, but I'd say um, thought it was kind of all pointless. Yeah. Definitely thought yeah. it was pointless. And nothing annoyed me more than church. Literally, nothing annoyed me more. If there was an opportunity for me to skip, I would skip. Yeah. Because it's incredibly boring. Like regular See, and church. And that's really surprising boring. to me because you hardly ever missed. Uh, and, you know, anyone who knows me knows that I'm not a, um, hey, where were you at church? Like, I always think if you didn't come to church, you either have a good reason or that burden's on me. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's kind of like maybe maybe church sucks. I want people to be excited to go to church. Like, church is, I can't wait to see what God does today. Can't wait to see who comes to faith today. I can't wait to see, you know, what breakthrough someone has, you know, re- regarding Jesus. That's how church ought to be. Well, maybe that's how it ought to be, but it certainly doesn't feel like that when you go to one of these mega churches. And that's pretty much what we've got a lot of in Southern California, not certainly not all by any means, but first of all, I'm an introvert, so I don't really like meeting people. That is one of the good things about going to a mega church is I don't have to meet anyone and I get to just slip away into the background and, you know, leave when church is over and that's cool. I'm down with that. But you start going to a church plant or a small church, everyone's going to know who you are. Like people at Refuge knew who I was, even though I didn't know who they were, because I don't like meeting people. <laughs> right? It didn't change because yeah. I was at a smaller church. It was just like, okay, all right, cool, you know. But I always felt like anything I could do to help that church would be cool. And you also never knew what was going to happen, like a pit bull biting your Sunday school leader, a, um, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Um, finding out that uh, one of your ushers is stealing, you know, I mean, like there's, there's never a shortage of like cool stuff that's going to happen at a church plant. And that just became fun. Um, a knife fight with scissors in the park between a couple of homeless people. You just never knew what was going to happen at refuge or, or as in the case of this past Sunday, someone very visibly flipping another person off in the middle of the service. Really? <laughs> Yeah, I I can't talk about it. Kind of wish I was still there so I could have seen that because that would have been like, that would have been something I wish I could have periscoped. But anyway. Yeah, you probably would have, right? (laughs) And and, and so here's the thing is, you know, uh, when you're talking about getting people ready, um, and and I know a lot of this we've talked about before in different ways. Um, If I think through all of the church planner podcasts that we've had over the years, a lot of them have to do with like, you know, like... The video we just made about, you know, trains in the can, that whole story. We did a whole episode on that. And I did that edition of, uh, the, the ninja or church planning ninja, which is my YouTube channel. Um, I did that because the question was, Hey, what's your most downloaded podcast? And at that time, about a year ago, that was still getting the most hits. I think our exorcism one bumped that out eventually, but, um, but that was a really popular one because. Uh, you know, there's just all those kinds of things. And I think a lot of the things that we've hit on, on this podcast, people aren't expecting, you know, and they're not ready for, we just interviewed Don Overstreet and Don Overstreet was, um, what do you call it? He was, uh, you know, I was telling the story about how he took JD Payne 
in, in the car. Uh, J.D. Payne came out to L.A., and he writes a lot about church planning, but he's not himself a church planner. You know, he works at a university, which is fine. You know, he's he writes good stuff. But Don, I asked Don afterwards. I'm like, hey, so how'd that go? And Don's like, I think I shook him up. You know, I took him through some really rough neighborhoods, and I I, I could just see he was uncomfortable. He's scared. And, you know, n- nothing about it. I'd be scared in some of those neighborhoods. I'm scared every time I do something for mission. That's nothing bad on JD. It just literally, you have to prep your people that, hey, this is a little bit dangerous. I remember telling our, our, our church planner core team after the first day in Refuge Long Beach that uh, one of our team members got her purse snatched. Um, she stuck it under the chair like you do at church, right? You most middle class churches, you go and you you stick your stuff under your pew. At Refuge Long Beach in the early days, man, you do that, it's gone. <laughs> the person sitting in the row behind you is like, are you kidding me? Did you really just stick your, your whole purse right in front of me at my feet? Right. You know, and it was gone. I, re- I remember you saying at the very beginning, you're like, if you bring your iPad to our church, do not leave it sitting on the table. Yeah. Like you were very clear with us. Yeah. We we used to warn people, hey, I, I would warn guest speakers, if you come to preach or just be aware we have a lot of break-ins in the parking lot. I mean, I remember walking out and seeing glass smashed on the ground. Someone's window busted out. By the grace of God, none of our stuff. I don't think any of our people actually got busted into, but it was it was almost every Sunday. Someone's car was in the parking lot was getting busted. I remember uh, this last time we were in the park, there was literally a dude clocking me because I had the tithe. And he was clocking me all the way to my car. And I'm like, DJ, come over here. Walk with me, man. And DJ thought I was crazy. And I'm like, dude, I don't care if you think I'm crazy. No one's going to take on the two of us. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Absolutely. You know, you you work with these people, uh, you know, people from a rough background. And you start, you just start seeing how, how, inner cities work and, 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 and it's different, but I mean, with almost any church plant though, you're, if you're church planting, right, you're going to reach people that other people aren't reaching. They're the people that don't go to churches and the church plant is able to saturate that area in a way that maybe an existing church isn't or is not, uh, currently, uh, not able to do, but not willing to do. And so when you go in there, it, it's helpful. So the first thing, that, that we deal with um, on the jump school videos, we talk about your calling and your character. And that that one, I would say, is more specifically aimed towards the lead planter in some ways, but in other ways not. Because what we believe is everybody's called to church planning. So um, with a lot of assessments, church planner assessments, they assess you to see if you're ready. And, um, you know, for example, like the uh, multiply assessment, best church planner assessment out there, they'll assess you front end and they're assessing you as a lead planner. Um, uh, the, the philosophy that, that we've taken over the years with um, New Breed or, you know, even Jump School, uh, Train Station, all these different things I've done over the years is everybody, everybody's called to church plan, almost like a Mormon, right? The Mormons are like, you're all called to the mission field. You need to go spend two years. I remember years ago looking at that going, yeah, I get that. You know, okay, they're, they're culty cults. We're, you know, Walter Martin, you willing to do for the truth what the cults are willing to do for a lie. Um, that was a question he used to ask. Uh, and I, I know there arose a generation that knew not Dr. Walter Martin, but, uh, the reality is we 
um, you know, we, we, we basically assess you on the tail end of training to see what's your role in a church plant. So you might be the lead planter. You might be a part of the, the core team leadership. You might be a part of just a part of the church plant. But I hold the view that every single believer out there is robbing themselves if they are not somehow, some way, uh, part of a church planning team at some point in their life. So I, I kind of encourage people and that when I'm going and speaking at big churches, um, I'll always say, do you read the book of Acts? Do you like the book of Acts? Do you ever wish you could live in the time of the book of Acts? Well, closest you're ever going to get to that is joining a church planning core team. And, uh, and, and that's the way, man. So, um, so the first thing is, are you called? And yes, you're called. Do you have the character? And we hinted at this last time, Pete, where we talked about, uh, I even say this kind of what I said in the last podcast and surprised we didn't get a bunch of hate mail. But I said, if you yourselves are addicted to things, um, then you're not going to be a part of the gospel of liberation. That's not going to be your ministry, setting others free. And for me, that is super big to me that, that I'm able to lay hands on people, to pray for people to be uh, miraculously delivered. And yes, I do believe in that. I do believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, I do believe that God can set someone free in an instant. Do I believe he always does? No. Do I believe that he always immediately sets people free from drug and alcohol? No, but I operate in the faith that he can and he will. And I see him do it as a result. I often see God set people immediately free from things. And I, I'm telling you, I got the, the theology of a Presbyterian, but the faith of a Pentecostal man, that's just how I've been wired over the years. So, um, <laughs> not saying I have big faith. I'm saying I, I pray like a Pentecostal. I pray God's going to do it. Not like the little boy when he prayed first time, he said, I really like my sister to, uh, to read the Bible. And, uh, so the, the elders of the church said, well, uh, let's pray for him, little boy. And they bowed their heads in prayer. And as they did, little boy went running out the building and they said, Hey, hey, where are you going? We're, we're not done praying. And he goes, well, my sister's going to read the Bible. I sure as heck want to be home to see it. And, and, and I think that's how we got to pray. That's how we got to, that's how we got to minister. So, um, that whole idea of calling and character, people lose the fact that your character has nothing to do with your salvation, has nothing to do with your justification that was earned by Jesus on the cross. But your sanctification is a missional weapon in the hands of God. You yourself are set free. You are able to be a part of seeing others set free. Mm. That's, just, that's just a weird thing. I, I, I'm, I'm really elaborating on this in the next book. Here comes a stupid train. Any thoughts, Pete, in response you, to my rant? You got yourself a little huh? bit of a train problem there. I do. Um, you know, I, I'm calling the handyman. I'm hoping. He <laughs> <laughs> I call him Uncle Bill, but, you know. <laughs> I, I'm telling you, you should have called my handyman for your raccoon. I'm just saying. <laughs> I, hey, I did a good job. I'm pretty proud. He didn't come back for a long time until we put Koi back in the pond. And oh. That was like a heat-seeking missile, man. Those those koi didn't last one night. Wow. But, uh, yeah. So you know, the the in 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 the jump school video series, we have a whole episode called "Fire" that's about the power of the Holy Spirit. But um, but you know, there's also things like uh, let me let me just interrupt you real quick on that. 
Can you tell everyone where they can get a copy of that DVD for free when they cover the shipping and handling? Absolutely. It's at jumpschooltraining.com forward slash free. Hooray! Okay, cool. Thanks. Yeah, I think that's all. The, also in the show notes, by the way. You can just tap that. Do but, we have show notes now? Well, not really. I think I've just added like the magazine and uh, the DVD to the show notes. So yeah, I don't. I and don't the, actually do anything else. A lot of what we've been talking about, you know, we talk about your motives. The motives need to be right. People need to be there because they want to see the kingdom of God expand. And you know, Pete, when a core team comes, they're not there. So that's part of your job to get them ready. That's why Jump School is a handy tool. And, you know, by the way, I don't mean this to be a commercial. I'm really trying to, if you're not going to get Jump School, I'm trying to give you just some some pointers. But you really should get Jump School. It's not going to be long as a DVD. Um, and it's really handy to pop it in. But um, we did that as part of our beta launch. But um, here's the deal. Eventually, we will do a big launch of it, and uh, we'll have a digital, hopefully a digital download of it. But uh, it'll be but, expensive, like two thousand yeah. dollars. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Yeah, that's how Definitely. we're gonna fund my lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, we talk about the fact that uh, the motives need to be right. You need to be focused on the loss. Um, you know, you're, you're, you're talking special teams, not special individuals. So special teams, um, that would be doing it as a group and learning to church plant where you said, Pete, you know, Hey, I just slip in and slip out church planting. One of the coolest things about it is your gifts get activated when your gifts get activated, uh, because they're needed and you actually start operating in the power of your gifts. The Holy Spirit starts channeling through you. And that's why when you go on a short-term mission trip, you're super pumped because you've just used your spiritual gifts. You're feeling the Holy Spirit. It's not just, oh, I felt good. I did something good. It's literally you're feeling the life of God coursing through you. And when you feel that, it, it, there's just no other feeling to make you feel alive. And so we train the core team, hey, this is what's going to happen to you. You know, you're actually going to be operating in your gifts, you probably didn't know you even had gifts. And uh, so then we talked to him about the fact that there's a danger. You're going to come under huge spiritual attack. There's going to be a spiritual kick me sign on your back. And uh, the, the enemy's just going to, he's going to come after you. Um, That's just what he does. And uh, so you need to know and tell your core team you're, you're their shepherd. You're responsible for them. You need to be telling them what to do. To protect themselves, you need to, uh, Pete. I remember back in the early days, um, and you're like, Yeah, I don't know if that's a devil or that's just life. And you saw some pretty um, amazing things happen, you know, where uh, I'll never forget that day you were, uh, it's personal details, so I can't share it, but you, you had that incident where you were dropping something in the mailbox and um, it was kind of a big deal. And you just saw God massively, supernaturally come through. And, you know, the amount of times I've heard you say, you know what, that <laughs> might just be spiritual attack where you started kind of putting some puzzle pieces. I don't, together. you know, I don't, I don't know which one you're talking about. I don't remember what I was dropping in the mailbox. What was it? It was uh, something to do with the house. Was, the it, house. was it when I was at the court? I can't wait that. to tell that story, man. I was actually thinking about when I was going to tell that story because it's been enough years now that. I yeah. don't, I don't mind telling it, but that, sure. yeah, that was pretty crazy. Yeah. Tell it, man. Cause I mean. You you started seeing some like just it, you're like dude this is it was like a Jacob moment for you were like surely God was in this place and they didn't know it like God started really 
operating on your behalf. This stuff started getting real for you. I'll tell the story. All right. So here's, here's what was going on at the time. Um, I was going through a really, really bad financial spot in my life. Like horrible. I'd already lost my, uh, my rental property to foreclosure. This is, you know, part of the crash, all that stuff that went on. My whole business had collapsed. I was basically rebuilding, uh, from the financial business into the marketing business. So I was in the whole rebuilding phase of things and I was probably nine months behind on my mortgage, which means they're not going to take your money at that point. Right. Cause it's, it's in the foreclosure stages, but this is, it, it reached the point where, um, because of everything that was going on in the country, they weren't foreclosing on homes right away because they could have foreclosed on it like nine months before that. Right. I mean, just like legally um, they could basically start the proceedings within like 90 days here in California of when you default on your mortgage, but it had been like nine months. And um, I always knew what I was going to do. I, I was pretty much like, okay, there's, literally no hope of me saving my house. There's just no way I'm going to save this thing. I needed to draw out the process so I could have more time to accumulate more cash, more capital, get myself back on my footing and, um, and then figure out where I was going to live. So, uh, you know, the, the lender files what's called the notice of default here in California and they have to do that before they file the notice of sale. It's basically about six weeks before they file the notice of sale. And then at the notice of sale, it's, I can't remember how long it is, but it's like four to six weeks. Um, your house goes to auction. And, uh, so I always knew what I was going to do, um, because I knew a lawyer and, uh, they successfully stop it. It's not one of these loan mod firms, like, and how they would stop the proceedings is they file um, a lawsuit against the lender naming the house. And they they actually file a federal lawsuit in federal court. And because of that, no one's going to buy a house that's under a lawsuit. So it'll never get sold. And basically, you do that to draw out the process. And you know how long it takes to get a court date and all that other stuff. So I always knew that's what I was going to do. I get the notice of sale, so I know I'm like six weeks away from the home being sold. So I call up the lawyer. I'm like, you know, they're like, come on, come in. So I go in and they're like, okay, you know, it's, I don't know what it was. It was like 4,500 bucks and a thousand dollars a month. Well, that's cheaper than mortgage. So I'm like, all right, no problem. Here you go. And they're like, well, because you also waited so long, because now we're six weeks before they're going to um, actually sell the house. They're like, you know, here's the thing. We've already got a sale date on your home. You might have to file bankruptcy. Uh, and the way that you do it is you file the bankruptcy, but you don't actually finish it, meaning you don't give them all of your documents. And so they actually dismiss it. But by filing it, the act of filing it causes uh, everyone to have to stop. They can't call you. They can't harass you. They can't go through with the sale. They can do nothing. So my home was supposed to be sold on a Tuesday. And I go, look, I don't have the guts to wait until Tuesday morning to file bankruptcy, which legally you can do. You can wait until like five minutes before file it and they can't sell it. I'm like, I can't do that. I'm going to do it on Monday. Well, the whole time I've been hearing you and at the time, Charlie Marquez, our other pastor, you guys were talking about how um, we needed to pray and say, God, 
I expect you to show up in this. And I remember many a morning as I take my shower, I'm praying, God, I expect you to show up. It doesn't mean I expect you to save my home. I expect you to figure out some something for me for my housing crisis, if you want to call it that. And um, so that that Monday morning, I get up and I go to the courthouse. And as I walk into the courthouse, um, there's a big sign that says your cell phone must be off, not on vibrate. It has to be turned off. Well, you know, I'm like everyone else. I'm turning it on vibrate, right? I'm not actually turning it off. So you got to go through the big metal detector. So I go through that. I go up to uh, the place where you file the paperwork for the bankruptcy. My lawyer had already filled it all out. So I had everything. And I walk up to the window and you have to pay with cash, right? When you're doing a, um, a bankruptcy. Well, we had sold my wife's car sometime before that. And the guy who had bought it had given us these nice, crisp $100 bills. Now, the interesting thing, and I thought it was interesting back when he gave it to me, they were 1985 $100 bills, totally crisp, as if they were brand new. And that's just kind of odd, you know, to have these bills 25 years later, totally crisp. So, you know, I give it to the lady and um, she runs it through the machine and the machine kicks them out as not real. And the, uh, the, uh, but she tests the pen on it and they are real, right? She does a little ink test, whatever it's called. And she's like, you know, here's the thing. All right. The machine says they're not real, but the pen test, it passes. I can take these, but if they turn out, they're not real, then they're going to disallow this, this bankruptcy. They're going to, you know, turn it aside. And so I had money and I'm like, well, is there an ATM here? They go, well, there's an ATM up on the third floor in the uh, cafeteria. So I go up to the cafeteria and the ATM is out of order. And I'm like, what am I going to do? So I ask, I'm like, where's the closest ATM? They're like, oh, there's one down around the corner. Now, interestingly enough, when I'm up at the window talking to the gal, my phone rings and I like freak out because um, it's vibrating and you're supposed to have your phone off. So, you know, I just turned off the, the ringer. And, um, so now I head outside of the court building and I'm heading around to the liquor store and I pull 300 bucks out of the ATM there and I'm heading back in. And as I'm heading in, I'm like, you know what, why don't I just listen to that, that voicemail message, see what it was. And I call the voicemail and it's literally my lawyer going, don't file the bankruptcy. Whatever you do, don't file it. Your notice of sale just got moved 30 days. We're going to have plenty of time to get this into the court system. So don't, don't do it. Don't take another uh, step. And I was like, I was totally freaked out because to me, the way I took this, so I I ended up, I went inside and I went up to the lady. I'm like, Hey, you know what? Uh, I can't even remember what I said. I probably said, you know, uh, I decided I'm not going to do this right now. By the way, the ATM doesn't work on the third floor, but like all these things had to come together for this to actually happen. I'm yeah. If you, if you had been, at that ATM and pulled that money out, you would have filed it. I would have filed it. The the by the way, the hundred dollar bills I gave her the three hundred dollar bills were all good. <laughs> like there was there was nothing fraudulent with them. Like because the bank took them and the bank's like, no, these are fine. They're good. They're just crisp for whatever reason. Yeah. That's crazy, but they're crisp. So the hundred dollar bills were fine. The ATM didn't work. I had to leave the building, which allowed me to listen to the voicemail to get this message. And stop me from filing the bankruptcy. And I'm like, 
And I went home and I told Jamie and Jamie's like, oh, maybe God's going to save our house. I'm like, look, I'm not taking it as that. I'm just taking it as God saying, look, I am going to watch over you. I am going to make sure that you're okay. You know, we're going to get through this. And I I was at that time, I'm like, look, that's just, you know, it's going to give me another nine months. I think in all, we went like 22 months without paying a, a mortgage payment, which is why I've always said it's better to own a home than to rent a home because you can never do that if you were a renter. But in the end, God ended up saving the home. And I mean, we're still in it today. We're totally cool. Uh, we got, we've got like the world's greatest mortgage in the world. Like you can't even get one this good. Every time my mortgage buddies go, Hey, do you need to refi? I'm like, Hey, can you beat 2%? Cause that's what my interest rate is. They're like, yeah, baby. No. I'm like, yeah, no one can. I'm staying. Yep. Yep. And my second on the home got completely forgiven and wiped out, which ended up being a huge tax bill, but that's a whole nother story. But um <laughs> there's a story behind that too. <laughs> but there there's all but it like for me, I was like, it it was weird, man. It was like freaky weird because I've been praying, God, I expect you to show up. I expect you to show up. And then when you see him actually show up, like for all these things to happen, the hundred dollar bills that were totally good. The lady's like, uh, I don't know if we want to take these. The ATM not working. I have to leave the courthouse yeah. to get this message that says don't file because we might need to save that that for later, which we did. We ended up having to use it later to, to stall the process out. And you in know, the end, you though, know what I love? Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, no, just in the end. I mean, it was just, you know, seeing God show up. It was crazy. What, what I love, too, was... Um, you know, it, it, and never at any time was there like a, oh, God totally turned out and blessed me. It must be all the work I'm doing with church planners. Like you were doing something good and God was repaying. Were we even doing anything with church planners then? I, that yeah, was so yeah, yeah. long ago. No, I don't even we, remember. We most definitely were. And and so here here's the thing. Um, well, I, I don't know if we had started the podcast. I think we had, though. I think we had started. But here's the thing is I remember you calling me and you were kind of in shock. You know, like, and you're like, dude, this is God. Like, there was no doubt. And and what I love about it is when God does stuff like that, it's not, it's funny. When the enemy is just kicking the snot out of you, you're like, yeah, I, I got a target on my back. Surely, because it, it will. He will target you. I tell people, you know, get ready for for possibly one of the hardest trials you've ever experienced in your life. My core team in Wales, uh, shoot, man, I, I, all of us had the worst things happen to us could possibly happen. I would tell people, you know, I apologize for what's about to happen to you. Welcome to the team, but I'm, I'm welcome and sorry, both at the same time. And, you know, you're, you're about to just get the life stomped out of you. And yet God is going to sustain you. On the other side, through these awesome things he's going to do, and the, and the, you're going to kind of like Jesus said, did I not tell you you would see the the glory of God if you believed? You're going to see the glory of God revealed in an awesome way, and it just makes it worth it. It's like Paul, where he goes, "Hey man, I was shipwrecked. You know, I was beaten. I was this. I was that." And he goes, "Cast down, but not discouraged. You know, abandoned but not forsaken. You know, he." He, he alone, yet I am not alone. You know, Paul, you know, he goes, and through this, we're more than conquerors. You know, uh, Paul, Paul was just, he was like a Rocky man. Just Satan kept punching him. And yet, you know, yeah, at the end, he's holding the belt up. Adrian, I did it. You know, <laughs> it's that whole Rocky syndrome that comes with church planning. And, uh, so, so all that to say at the end of the day, 
Um, you know, you have to get people ready for the battle. You know, you, you're gonna, you're gonna take bullets, but you're also gonna see airstrikes that are just clearly from heaven. And God is gonna turn the tide of battle. I, I love this because you can't get this. And I'm getting excited talking about it. You can't get this, um, from sitting in a pew. And, and I love, like, this is part, what I'm feeling right now as I'm talking is I'm feeling the excitement that I get with every core team mm. when I can't wait to tell them, guys, you're going to experience this, that, that, and that. I get so pumped when I'm telling them. And I know now there's a confidence. I remember the first time I said it, it was, it was a few core teams on. And I remember saying, because uh, remember in Wales, you know, we plan a hub and there's multiple core teams and, and the same with, with, you know, stateside. Um, I've spoken to a number of core teams and every time it's like, you know, you guys, I, I, I first time I said it to a core team, I said, you know, you're going to see. And I remember kind of in the back of my mind thinking, this is purely faith that you're seeing and saying this because you, you saw this with the first core team. Um, for you to be able to say this now, are you sure you can, can deliver on this? Now I say it with full confidence. You're going to see exorcisms. You're going to see healings. You're going to see. And I talk to church planners that have nothing to do with me all across America. And they've got the same stories. You know, it's not unique to me. It's not that I bring something. It is the Holy Spirit. It is God. And when you make glorifying him and aiming for the lost, your aim, um, that's when you start to see the good stuff. And, uh, you know, there's so much more than just this. I mean, we crammed into 10 minute episodes, a good chunk, but even the study guide, the study guide goes deeper. We tell people you don't need the study guide, but it's, you know, you can lead your core team through the jump school video series The the study guide is just going to make for a deeper and richer experience. But how it works is you watch the videos and then you come through and before you get there, you read the study guide and then there's discussion questions. You can either free form it off the video or you can use the study guide questions uh, to go into it. But your people are wrestling through this stuff before the session. They're, they're having to confront, oh my gosh, you're telling me this is going to happen. Um, we talk about fear being Satan's chief, chief weapon. Um, we talk about the rally point. Some of you have seen that video. We talk about, you know, uh, your mission statement, um, gift driven ministry, just all that stuff that guys, you need to train your core team responsibly. You are responsible for making sure they're equipped, kind of like a general, you know, it's part of leadership. You, you don't take a, a, a group of recruits to war if they haven't been through boot camp. And so that's kind of the passion that over the years I've had. Um, but even then, once you get them ready, like I said, it's the mindset. They're going to experience the things that you've prepped them for. You can't do that for them. They have to walk through it. Like Jesus tossing the 72 out into all of the villages and telling them, hey, come back when you're done. They'll have that experience. They'll get their baptism by fire. But uh, that is... You know, part of part of our job is just to get them ready for what's going to happen. You can never fully get someone ready, but you can definitely get a good jump on it. You know, we always say that our our role, and I think our podcast, our magazine, um, the books I write, 
Um, the, these things, jump school, it's, it's basically we tell people we're helping you pack the parachute. We're going through the safety checks. But at the end, you're the one that's going to have to leap out the hatch and free fall into the hands of God. And the wind is the Holy Spirit. He's the one that will catch your parachute. And all the training, all that stuff in the world is no substitute for leaping out of that hatch. And uh, anyways, guys, again, you can go to jumpschooltraining.com forward slash free and you can download that. And uh, Pete, you know, uh, just to let you know, um, if I could just focus on that and not have to worry about IRS and gosh, man, like money and stuff. I'm trying to make this sound sincere. Um, that would be so phenomenal. You should, have you ever looked up simplifychurch.com? I think that's what it is. No, but even their name and website is simple. <laughs> they, they actually take care of all that stuff for you. The IRS stuff, the payroll stuff, the housing allowance stuff, all the pastoral ministry type stuff that you don't like to do. So that way you're freed up to just go out there and expand the kingdom. That's you they mean do. they'll pay my rent? They'll pay my insurances? They'll do all that stuff for me every month automatically so I don't even have to think about it? Well, you got to give them the money, but then, yeah, they'll they'll take care <laughs> of actually paying the people. Oh, okay. I'm following you now. Okay, yeah, that's different. <laughs> it's, it's a little bit different, yeah. But they're really good. You should check them out, simplifychurch.com. Uh, ask for Josh and tell him that Pete and Peyton sent you. All right. Well, cool, guys. This has been the Church Planter Podcast. Thanks for joining us again. By the way, if you guys want to go deeper into some of the things, I mean, we are really just kind of running the gamut and hitting some of the like core essential things you train a core team in. If you go back to the beginning of these podcasts and you look down some of our earlier episodes, uh, you'll find that we did probably about a 20-week stint of a sequential order of how to plan a church. And you'll find all of all of the things we hit on today in great detail. And uh, I don't think we've ever repeated a topic. So uh, you can go in there. You can find all that. And uh, guys, uh, this has been Peyton Jones and Pete Mitchell thanking you for joining us and reminding you, if you want to reach the people nobody's reaching, you need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. Oh, what's in the box? Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Hey, 